And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Jurassic Pod. I'm coming to you from my <laughs> kitchen table in East Toronto. We don't need to get more specific than that. On the line with me, <laughs> it's such an old-fashioned term, on the line. Uh, Holly McKenzie, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. On the line, old-fashioned probably would have been better than the tech issues I just had trying to bring this podcast yeah, to Yeah, we're, we're really we're working for, for you uh, people. <laughs> you should appreciate all this audio gold. <laughs> You're, I'm here now, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully for hopefully like 40 more minutes, rolling. everything can can stay <laughs> on board, and then all technical issues can pop up after uh, that. Love to be reminded of just how little I understand about the things that I work with every day. You know, like sometimes people will ask me a question about like internet things, and it's like unless it's the exact things that I use every day, I have no idea. Yeah. Um... I, I feel like similarly, whenever my parents are asking me about something like why their computer mm-hmm. isn't working and like they think I'm a god because I'm 32 or whatever <laughs> years younger than them. So obviously I seem like a genius to them when it comes to computers and I have to like really emphasize how little I know, uh, I know. all the I know. time. Um, my nephew like built a computer he's he's 13 uh, and like apparently there are like google uh videos that make it very easy but like it's like really beautiful and it like like you can see the inside of like the computer Uh, yeah yeah that's insane and like i think he got a bit of help but like it didn't seem as if it were a big accomplishment to him at all uh and i'm like i mean even if you're getting help it's like crazy that humans can do that yeah and i'm like i don't know how to fix anything and when you said and, and you built said, a computer when you said google videos did you mean google or no YouTube? i meant youtube you, you know yeah. by now i i don't know <laughs> the words i say only have tangential uh relation to the words <laughs> i mean there are google videos that was oh great. god okay. um so I, i'm feeling a bit out of it uh, and I noticed this coming on yesterday, yesterday being Great. Sunday. Uh, and, you know, naturally I thought I was sick or, or, or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think I might just be tired because the Raptors... Come on. The Raptors haven't... Oh, listen, oh, I'm segueing. I'm segueing. Come on. Um, the Raptors haven't had multiple days off in a row in between games right. until today, Monday, and tomorrow, right. Tuesday... Right, right. Uh, It's been either back-to-backs or one day off in between games. And and all of a sudden, they have two days off 
uh, now. They have two days off next week in between Portland and and Utah games. They have two days off between the Golden State and mm-hmm. Memphis games. And I want to say, I'm not positive, that they have two, get, two days off in between Memphis and Indiana. So the schedule from a load perspective, from a frequency perspective, about to lighten up, uh, that is about the only positive thing I can say about the schedule. Uh, I mean, they're going on the road, which has been great. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, Road Warriors. It just (laughs) kicked in a year late, but now the Raptors, uh, maybe because of last year, they're now invincible on the road, 4-0. Since we last spoke to you good people last, Mm. uh, the Raptors went 1-2, winning on the road in Washington, D.C. I took a train from New York to Washington, including which included a stop in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Joe Biden's hometown, or not hometown, but I think like where he uh, yeah, yeah. has governed or where he served in the Senate, certainly. And we know about Joe Biden's love of trains. So it felt specific, particularly uh, notable to be on a train uh, going through Wilmington, <laughs> Delaware. Anyway, the Raptors won. And... I, wanted to, I wanted to say that was a great segue that I messed up because I didn't know it was going to be a segue into the Raptors and I was going to make fun of you for saying you were tired because I thought you were going to be one of those adult humans who say they're tired when the clock switch. No, um, even though you get, no, I love fallback. I, I do complain yeah. about spring forward. Uh, so get ready for that podcast. I have zero. Uh, no, I, I know you don't, but, and, and I will complain about it. Um, <laughs> so uh, you get yeah. extra sun. No, I, I realize it's a net benefit i'm just saying in the moment it screws my crap up um but i'm not going to complain about fallback i've just i've been really exhausted the last few days uh, yesterday and today uh and maybe it has to do with the raptor schedule is all i'm saying uh (laughs) well i'm glad you're not sick well let's let's hope so i'm knocking on wood now um so raptors won in washington lost uh, a game they led for 47 minutes and 55 seconds uh against cleveland and then in pascal siakam's return they lose to brooklyn after a pretty damn good first half they they had an unfortunate start to the third quarter and that pretty much doomed them. Uh, so the Raptors come in to this week. They are at six and five with a mm-hmm. the 13th offensive rating in the league, 107.9, tied with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the 11th best defensive rating, 105.2. Uh, and they have a net rating of 2.7, which is the ninth best. And in the so team. many rebounds. Uh, they rebound the ball a lot. They have the third best rebound percentage as a whole, and they have the best offensive rebound percentage, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is doing a lot of the legwork of keeping their offense functional. We'll talk about all of that, <laughs> or some of that. I shouldn't guarantee anything. Um Holly did make a run a rundown, which I will now largely ignore, probably. Uh, but I won't ignore it in this way because I think the highlight is Pascal Siakam Yay! returns ahead of at least what we were led to believe was the schedule about five months less a few days from his surgery to repair his torn labrum. 
Uh, we yeah. thought it would be closer to American Thanksgiving, so maybe two or three more weeks. Uh, even when that seemed to speed up a bit, it still seemed like the start of the road trip coming next week might have been a target date. Instead, he gets 25 minutes in and starts uh, against Brooklyn. So, yeah. so before we talk about how he looked, I think the thing that stood stood out to me, and I'm guessing stood out to you, was how he sounded. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I also also the crowd reaction was really from TV. It was uh, it seemed really great, and it was good. It was I good inside ask, the arena for sure. Uh, yeah, I, and I also noticed you uh, mentioned in your piece from the game that you were surprised that he was not the last starter introduced. And I have to say, I was curious. I was wondering what they were, how they were going to, how that was going to. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a stupid thing to care about, but I just thought because of, I mean, the, the historical, and I only think about this in terms of the Jordan bulls. Like I, I I think that's because that's the most (laughs) iconic introduction uh, there is in the league. Come on, the most iconic introduction is Kyle Lowry. No, I, I, on the floor uh, doing his. That's to Toronto fans, but like, <sighs> I, no, I think all with time. like Kyle Lowry, <laughs> Kyle Lowry over Michael Jordan. Look, Kyle. I got a bunch of subscribers <laughs> on that story, so I, about his <laughs> elaborate introduction. So I'm not going to complain. But uh, the Alan Parsons Parsons Project serious playing over uh, the yeah. Chicago Bulls intros. Uh, I mean, I grew up on that. So maybe it's my childhood just speaking, but I, I don't think there's anything close. But because of that, the last spot has become, and, and Jordan routinely just like beating out the PA announcer, like trying to be <laughs> in the middle of the huddle while he was still being introduced. Uh, and I think like DeMar continued to, like he he did yeah, that when yeah. he was the last uh, introduced as a Raptor. Uh, but with me, like that's always held meaning because of that and and i was curious because of the the interview siakam did with the new york times about not knowing whether he was the man or not mm-hmm. what, and we've discussed that mm-hmm. we don't have to continue with it whether they might just put him in that spot uh nope it was van vliet siakam was third uh he got a loud ovation when he was welcomed back and and i think who was after uh i think who? it was OG started. I want to say Trent was fourth. I think it went OJ okay. Barnes, Siakam, Trent Van Vliet. So they're they're sort okay. of going like forward yeah. center backcourt. If you're if you're gonna make it rational, <laughs> which like why should we? It's it's a human construction. It doesn't have to be any sort of way. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like I kind of like keeping keeping Fred last, and I also think it just in a way. I mean, you can look at it the way that you said, which was you thought that Pascal would potentially be you know the final name, but I think in a way you're coming back from a long layoff. You had a challenging year last year um, and off season, and I think it you know. I mean, again, we're putting meaning into this. Yeah, no, I don't don't think they care at all. And and I I should (laughs) emphasize that I have no dog in this fight. I do not. I do not care. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it's interesting uh, from an intellectual. But it is interesting from a uh, a, like just the um, yeah, like like all the attention is already on Pascal returning, rightfully so. Um, But he's just sliding into into the mix as it as it was rather than shifting everything yeah and if we're going to shift meaning onto it like 
Fred sort of is the vocal leader of this team. Uh, like Pascal Siakam has talked mm-hmm. about trying to get there, but it's clear that Van Vliet has some intrinsic leadership qualities that, you know, forget the Raptors, few other people in this league have. Um, he And he has had those qualities since, since, since he was first yeah. signed by the Raptors as an undrafted player hoping that he would be on the final roster yeah, that, that's night. just like, how he, he rolls that's yeah. the coolest it, the coolest thing about fred is that he is the exact same guy and also like just the most normal relatable fred's the best like fred is the best yeah. um, but, um but that being said before we get into pascal's play um i think you sort of alluded to it when you said how he sounded uh pascal's entire demeanor and body language this year has been so refreshing and he just seems lighter and I'm sure there is a relief that comes from returning to Toronto and also getting the surgery done the surgery going well watching the team do well like as he's coming back but to see him out there last night you could just feel that you could or I felt like you could feel the joy that he had just to be playing basketball again and that really that was really wonderful yeah and it sounds like to whatever extent it can be and and you know i think about not just within the context of basketball but within everyday life emotions Mm -hmm. and how much control we have over them and how much we get to determine how we feel and how much circumstances just overwhelm us and how much is just a product of our our dna or past experiences but to the extent that siakam can control them uh, i think he's made a conscious effort to be mm-hmm. more positive, because something he mentioned yesterday and he mentioned previously when he was talking to a few reporters, including myself, before the season started, is like something that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, something I realized uh, last season is it didn't matter if I was sad, we were losing. So, like, like mm-hmm. you might as well <laughs> be happy and make yeah. coming to work an enjoyable experience and and work from there because the sadness and and you know it's natural to be frustrated frust uh i feel like there's a song in which somebody says frustrated <laughs> like that uh anyway uh you know they're competitive and when things don't go well they're gonna be frustrated great now i'm in my own head uh but getting past that pretty quickly and turning the frustration into something positive seems like uh something he's very much trying to do and you know it was certainly clarifying and stark when he talked about finding out he needed surgery from alex mckechnie Mm -hmm. saying that like this was his first surgery and he cried like he hadn't cried since his father Mm -hmm. died which is just like whoa you know we Mm -hmm. we become so numb to surgeries and injuries like just Mm -hmm. got a notification that uh colin sexton who we saw on friday with the calves Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. a meniscus injury i don't know what's i haven't seen what type of repair or or rehab there will be but these things happen almost on a daily if not daily then you know twice three times weekly basis with like really good players Mm -hmm. in this league and as fans as reporters we have to treat them as if they're things that happen all the time because they are. And if you really got stuck on the human side 
of every single one of these, it would be. I really. It, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I knew <laughs> that you sort of do, but like functionally, we, it's yeah, like you would just fail to continue to be productive. Uh, I yeah. would think that would be a problem. You can deny, confirm, or, or just not not comment. Um, but <laughs> it is important to zero back on the emotional part of it. Is what I'm yeah, getting at. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, especially like the thing with with athletes, and I would say it's probably the case for most, but not all, but especially a large a large chunk. I would say um, their sport, whatever it is, be it basketball or, or you know any other sport in many ways becomes like um, their safe place. It's where they go to get away from things when they're bad or if they're feeling alone or in a dark time. That sport is the thing that is always familiar. It's a constant. It's always there. Um, we've heard DeMar DeRozan talk about this a lot. Oh, the basketball court is like a place where he can go to escape. I think the phrase that's um, often used is sanctuary. Um, yeah. yeah, and... And especially for a player like Pascal, who has never had a surgery before, he's never had to seriously confront that realization and the reality that to be a professional athlete is typically a pretty short window. Um, if you're lucky, you get to call it quits on your terms, but it usually happens sooner than you would like to yeah. play at this level. You only get a certain number of years, a certain opportunity. And when you're young, sometimes you know that, but you don't really think about it. It's hard to like realize that you are going to get you are going to get older you could get injured and then when you do get injured and you can't have that outlet and that safe place that sanctuary that you mentioned um i think it really makes you value the game even more in a way and it makes you just realize how how much you love it so yeah like losing sucks and you may be upset or mad or i was gonna swear and i don't know if we're allowed you, to swear we are you uh you oh yeah. i was gonna say or pissed off that's, if you yeah, lose. I don't think that's swearing i don't <laughs> think we're gonna need the explicit tag on uh <laughs> i didn't know i got very i got very nervous um gee whiz you can feel all <laughs> you can feel all of those things after a loss of course um but you know, you have such a short window, you may as well enjoy it as much as you can. And I think that an injury and an extended layoff can really bring that perspective. And it sounds like it sounds like this was a really tough thing for Pascal to hear, like that there was going to be a five to six month layoff. And also just getting surgery can be really scary. Um, but I think that he's coming back with a new perspective and one that he wouldn't have been able to really gain without having this experience. And he seems lighter. And I'm really, really happy for him both that he's returning to the floor but also that he seems a little lighter yeah. than he was last season I and i think of part of the you know the disappointment of the surgery for him was that he was really eager to get to work on his game like mm -hmm. as much as mm -hmm. you know fred van vliet had the line about the haters on twitter which like <laughs> it's funny and fred likes to do that sort of thing at, at times uh, the fact is, like, Siakam was getting the criticism because mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. you know, large parts of, you know, certainly in the bubble, and then for large parts of last year, he wasn't playing up for, forget our standards, like, he wasn't playing up to his standard for himself. Um, and I think bad three-point shooting numbers mm -hmm. exaggerated 
his overall impact a lot. Like, I think at times he was like a, a better version of himself last year than he was even the previous season, except mm-hmm. he has shooting like really, and, yeah. and I mean, three-point shooting is really important. So I don't mean to wave that away, but it is something that can go up and down by the year unless like you're an elite elite shooter. Um, anyway, all of this is to say he wanted to go to work on his game and we, and he quite, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't quite able to do that in the way he imagined. Uh, he, he has been practicing. He has been practicing, practicing with contact and Sunday was the first time we got to see him play. And he finished with 15 points for rebounds in 25 minutes. Nick nurse said he was sort of going for a four, six minute run type thing. It didn't mm-hmm. quite end up like that. Uh, he'll be on a bit of a minutes restriction, at least in the short term. We don't know how long that will last. Uh, the one notable thing is, and part of this isn't Siakam at all. Like the Raptors just had a horrible shooting night and uh, <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that was all a lack of spacing, but the offense did struggle when he was on the floor, but the offense struggled to varying degrees all night. And the team as a whole was seven. Yeah, that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. Even like yeah. <laughs> a team that we don't expect to be near the league leaders in, in three point percentage as a team, you don't expect OG Ananobi and Gary Trent, two of your better shooters, to go one for 11 <laughs> from three. Like the Raptors yeah. just aren't going to mm-hmm. win many games when their best shooters shoot like that. And I'd have to go through every single attempt to say how much of that was spacing and how much of that was just good shooters missing good shots. Uh, I know the stint at the third quarter was good shooters missing good shots. Um, <laughs> and great shooters making great shots. Yeah, on the other side. But, the, but we are, you sort end. of have to factor that in to any time you play a, a team of that quality. Um, but yeah. this is my long meandering way of saying, what did you think of how Pascal looked on his return? Yeah, I thought he looked good. You know, I mean, I think that there's definitely on-court chemistry that wasn't there, um, which I think is pretty normal for for two reasons. One, for the player just coming back and sort of, you know, getting back into a groove, especially when you're playing, like, regimented stints of a certain amount of time, so you don't really get to have the freedom of, like, finding your groove and staying in the game or whatever. But also just he's playing with a relatively different lineup. You know, there are some of the same, the same teammates out there, but everything's different than it was um, a year ago. The last time that he wasn't a year ago, but like the last time that he was on the court with these, with these players. Um, Yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, it was just, I thought he looked good. I think that there will be, I think that the chemistry was the biggest thing to me. It just seemed a little off, but I think that that's normal. Yeah. There there was Uh, one possession I highlighted uh, in my story that I thought was like, it's what you would want to see going forward. And I think it was in that horrible third quarter, uh, Mm. actually. But Siakam drove to the middle, kicked it out to Gary Trent uh, in the corner, uh, and somebody came out to Trent. He, I think, passed to either Achua or Van Vliet, who dumped it back off to Siakam, who was hanging out uh, sort of close to the dunker spot, and Siakam was able to finish it with a dunk. And that's the type of ball movement that this team needs like it's yeah. it's jarring again I, I i said this on twitter like assist percentage isn't positive or negative but i think 
And the Raptors rank last in assist percentage. So, I mean, basically that is the percentage of their baskets that they assist on versus unassisted baskets. They're at just over 50% right now, which is uh, last in the league. So that's not positive or negative. But when you look at the Raptors roster, you don't look at a lot of guys that are like, well, give the ball to him and and let him attack Mm -hmm. a mismatch or give the ball to him and let him work in isolation. I don't think that's the way that, you're going to get the most the team's going to function out yeah. of this team. And I think their succeeding has been in spite of that at times. And I think they did get a nice little flow going there that didn't necessarily come with that same assist percentage uh, on the road on that three-game trip. But I think the, mm-hmm. that play from Siakam is what you will want to inject into the offense a bit more and what was naturally limited by... Having by leaning on Fred Van Vliet, who is a gifted playmaker, who is limited by his size and ability to see over defenses when he gets into the middle of it, and OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. who can see over defenses, but is still certainly a mechanical, a more mechanical type passer. And he's had some pretty good assist games, like five, six. He's been up in that range, mm-hmm. but that's certainly mm-hmm. a developing part of his game. And you... And the Raptors, this is my long way again, and we should just call this pod, this episode it's Monday. Uh, the longest possible way to say things. Um, they need Siakam, and they need yeah. offensive development across the board. And, like, I think the players who you can most hope, like, the key players you can most hope for offensive development for throughout the season are Ananobi and Barnes. But they need mm-hmm. Siakam's not baseline, I would say, but a level of playmaking he's already established. They need that mm-hmm. more than anything else from him to appear mm-hmm. because, my God, Holly, when the defense looked good on Sunday, yeah. it looked really good. That second quarter? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and you saw like the difference when it wasn't Barnes and Siakam there, when it was yeah. Trent and Svi, uh, Mika- Mikhailu, oh, again. Mikhailu, Mikhailu. Yes. Yeah. Me, um, and they were just yeah. He had a rough, yeah. He had a rough he had game, a rough game and he had been playing pretty well. Yeah. So like, uh, and he's not. He, I think he was playing above his head in, compared to his. But you know, I think the biggest thing yesterday was that the team didn't have Cam. I think that was. I think that was a big game. thing, but like. They were playing mismatch basketball in the third quarter there, like uh, the Nets I'm talking about. They were attacking weaker defenders. uh, And when it's Kevin Durant, who, you know, doesn't need much room to get a shot off (laughs) at the best of times, like when you can just switch on to Svi or switch on to Gary Trent Jr. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, maybe not as much strength and, and you're working with a few extra inches of airspace. Uh, to get a shot over, mm-hmm. it becomes hugely problematic. So the offense, the offensive side becomes huge so that the Raptors can play their best defenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing the size on the floor with Pascal out there was really cool. I mean, we've talked about this since the preseason training camp, but to actually see it in motion in that second quarter was like, holy and we had already seen this team have really good defensive stretches, but um, that was it was it was cool to see it, especially against Brooklyn, because you, I mean, you have you're you're doing it against Durant, yeah. who's like the longest, craftiest, 
greatest like shooter in terms of just getting a shot off in like, NBA history. Ever. Yeah, like like I mean, yeah, it's like him and Dirk, but he has more handling skills than Dirk and able mm-hmm. to get uh, for him to be able to get a, a shot off. And he somehow just seems taller than everybody ever. Like he just well, seems it's the so... height, but it's also the wingspan, right? Like his arms are just <laughs> I know, so long, so impossibly yeah. long. It's just. We've been watching him for how many years, and it still just amazes yeah. me. Uh, I think um, I was—I I, forgot who I was talking about it with, but it was after the first half, and and I had tweeted like, "Raptors lead by seven. Durant really seems like he's looming and is taking a back seat so far in this game." And somebody responded yeah. to me like, "Every possession he doesn't shoot feels like a win," and I was like, "It's been a whole career of this." <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's, uh-huh. it's just like if there's a guy who could like average forty for a season and do it like fairly efficiently, it's him. It's like absolutely mm-hmm. him, and. Like, he wouldn't even need the highest usage rate in the league to do that, I'm convinced. Um, all, all I could think last night, like, or sorry, Sunday night. Yeah, I, I think I'm not supposed to say last no, night. No, it's fine. It's Sunday, confusing. yes. But Sunday, um, similarly to what you were just saying was, oh my God, this guy used to play with Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, how is that possible? With Clay Thompson and... providing weak side yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But like, you know, just talking about a guy who could average 40 and it'd be easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> before we move on to the next topic, uh, you mentioned Kem- Scotty Barnes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my let's goodness. before him ripping the ball. From- before we get there, Sorry. let's talk about <laughs> you. T- you mentioned Kem Birch, and I want to bring this up. Oh, yeah. To ask you this: Let's assume full health. What do you think mm-hmm. is the most sensible starting lineup for this team? Uh. I mean, we'll assume f- Fred, OG, and. Uh, Pascal are givens. So how are you filling those two final spots? Yeah, I mean, I think that I like him starting. I do. I don't I like I don't know if you what what are your thoughts? I think it's Trent and, and Kem and Barnes coming off the yeah. bench just because Do you see that's the part where I get stuck on Well because he's been on. so good and he's like <laughs> before Sunday he was thirteenth in the in the league in minutes mm-hmm. like, like this isn't a, mm-hmm. like That's yeah insane. which yeah. is yeah fred was first and og was fifth and and barnes was 13th yeah. and, and pascal came back and fred played another 40 minutes and yeah. 50 seconds uh yeah. let's get him some rest when possible uh <laughs> but um i i think it's just the easiest solution for the short term yeah. and barnes came off the bench at florida state 
and but I still hate. I, I don't like it either. I'm but like, it, but I still don't like it. Yeah, you know? I think with what Trent has shown defensively on the perimeter, uh, yeah. and because of Barnes' experience uh, coming off the bench, it just is probably the easiest solution. And that doesn't mean that's how you're finishing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for now, before. I, I, I feel as, like I've talked myself no, out of it just in this I, moment. I don't I, know. I would say as, you know, for now, with Siakam, Ananobi, and Barnes, with, with those three on at the same time, with them still figuring out what the spacing looks like, mm-hmm. I'd rather start on maybe a slightly solid, more solid offensive foundation and go from there. Saying that, like, yeah, that doesn't fair. necessarily seem like the way Nick Nurse is... is is bending this year or, or the last the coolest few years. thing to me about Nick and, and his belief in Scotty is after the game, Nick is saying Scotty needs to be more aggressive offensively. Yeah. He needs, he, you know, he was great on defense, but he needs to be looking to score more. He needs to be taking more shots. Like he had said that multiple times this season, which is crazy because He's a rookie who's 13th in minutes and has taken a lot of shots and tried a lot of stuff. Um, but that shows the belief that uh, Nurse and the coaching staff have in in Scotty, but also the 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 size of the role they want him to play. And yeah, I mean, I have a like even I'm, I'm backtracking now, but I do have a hard time wanting to make him take a not that not starting is taking a step back. I, I'm not trying to say that. But, yeah, I don't I, know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm in a circle. It's hard. Well, I mean, the question I won't make you answer for the moment is if you're backtracking and don't think he should be mm-hmm. uh, coming off the yeah, bench, don't, then, I don't then who to, is I coming know. off the bench, Cab or Gary? But you don't have to answer that. <laughs> we can uh, make our guesses about that. But I, I will say that I love them talking about him being more aggressive because even mm-hmm. if the offense isn't quite there yet and and i think we can all see where the holes are not just with the shot but but with the handling um Mm -hmm. in tight spaces this is how you and i think we've talked about this already this is how you fully weaponize his Mm -hmm. skills on offense and those would be his passing skills and his iq is by making his first instinct get to the rim um because once teams know he is going to put that pressure on the rim. That's when the help comes. And that's when he can mm-hmm. make the truly special plays that not many people of his size can make. Um, yeah. How, how cool was it to hear uh, Blake Griffin and, uh, and Kevin Durant talk about, about Barnes? Yeah, really. Night. I didn't, I didn't hear what Blake night. said. I, I heard the whole KD quote. Yeah. They both just were raving and, uh, and Durant, was awesome. I loved when he was like, "How old is he? 19, 20? Sheesh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the KD, and also KD also uh, also was talking about Nick Nurse, just saying that he's the type of coach that keeps you up at night thinking about what he's gonna throw at you. And I thought that was really, I mean, that's a compliment. Like coaches very rarely get uh, huge compliments during the season, but that's like to me, that's like winning a Grammy or an Oscar, like, holy the best scorers. On my Jays chat uh, with my friends, which has turned into a Raptors chat, given the time of year that I I participate in less because I can only talk about the Raptors so much. Group Um, chats? Yeah. Is it a group chat? I hate group chats. I am 
extremely anti-group uh, chat. Well, uh, that's fine. It really made the Jay season more fun. Anyway, uh, one glad. of my friends, uh, Steve, who you know, uh, sh- shout yes. out Steve, um, was saying uh, that Durant, like the Durant press conference was his favorite thing. And I was like joking with him. I was like, love that validation, huh? And But as a Raptors fan, <laughs> you do love that validation, not only because Durant is so great, uh, but also like he's honest and, and I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say almost to a fault. Like he's honest to a fault uh, where to, to the point where it's definitely got him un- under scrutiny before. Like he's not going to say something just to make other people feel good. Clearly. Uh, Do you, I'm going to ask you something. I know that like uh, your memory isn't great sometimes, but do you remember a game a really long time ago when Katie was still with the Thunder and he was injured. I can't remember why, but he wasn't playing in Toronto. And he got pizza before the game. And he was offering pizza to the media that was in the locker room before the game talking to him. I wonder if I missed that game because I did miss a bunch of Kevin Durant games at the beginning of my career. And one of them was when I was covering uh, I was covering the NCAA tournament in Buffalo. So it might have been that year. It may have um, been that. It was, one of the, it was one of the memories that will always stick out to me. Um, one, because you don't normally have NBA players offering you their pregame food. Two, he had an entire pizza in the locker room before the game because he wasn't playing. And three, he wasn't playing, but he was just sitting in his locker, just chatting with us, which was so, you know, you don't normally see that from one of the best players um, in yeah. the league. You would never see it today, I don't think. I don't think you would see that from Kevin Durant my today. Fa- yeah, but... my favorite moment like that was when uh, Mike Ganter, the Toronto st- Sun, accidentally took a, <laughs> I think it was a root beer from the fridge in the media room, and it turned out to be Shaq's root beer. And Shaq was yeah, like, where's yeah. my root beer? And uh, no, but... I thought it was orange. It might have, it might have been orange. It doesn't, yeah. Cream soda. I think okay, it cream soda, anyway. But yeah. No, that was... To this day, Shaq doesn't know unless he's a Jurassic Pod listener. Shouts out to Shaq. And Ganter being like, yeah, there was one cream soda. Mm, Yeah, seemed seemed good. Um, (laughs) Let's go. We'll talk about Scotty Bard's week quickly. He returned uh, after a two-game absence from a sprained thumb, uh, and the Raptors lost twice. Uh, But yeah, he had some definite good moments. Uh, I I did a sort of TikTok of his first game against... uh, Evan, you have no, TikTok? no, uh, I should, I can't use that phrase now because it's an app. Ugh. I did a running diary, is what I meant, um, of the... You, you were going to call a running diary a Yeah, TikTok? like the, a TikTok is a type of story, like story in news journal. Oh, I get it, okay. Journalism. Okay, and sorry. I thought you were just using it as like... Yeah, and I, I wasn't using like... it correctly, even in the journalism term, uh, because <laughs> it's usually a TikTok in journalism is like, it explains how something happened. So like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. would be like a TikTok of how the Kyle Lowry to Miami deal came together. Uh, and you would explain like all the different moments that were in important so i wasn't even using anyway i did a running diary of mobley barnes one and boy did they both and like it wasn't barnes best game and but they still both delivered on their Mm -hmm. you know what makes them special i thought the barnes um again second game in a, we were talking about him ripping the ball from kd but doing the same thing to jared allen <laughs> like that was like yeah, a picture perfect like, hip toss body yeah. clip. um picture perfect uh just great execution He's strong scotty barnes is like superhuman strength yeah um 
I think like it's way too early for rookie of the year watch. I think given no, it's okay. Not. It is not. Well, We're fully all right. There. Well, Evan, uh, maybe Evan Mobley is as as <laughs> creeped ahead of him with a twenty six point game in at MSG. Uh, it's too bad Scotty Barnes missed his MSG chance for an I appearance because those can hold some weight with media members, as you know. Um, but I think it's you know given what he's showed defensively, it's still totally justified to be um, not to... to, I mean, Kevin Durant was was talking about Kevin Barnes. He wasn't talking about... He wasn't talking about other other. Oh, you're gonna throw some slander on Evan Mobley here. Um, <laughs> I, I think being very excited is a totally reasonable approach about Scotty Barnes. Uh, and if it's not unreasonable, then that's fine. I will not be reasonable. You mean if it is unreasonable, that's fine. You will not be. You said if it's not unreasonable, which would make it reasonable. Uh, you did an mm-hmm. unintentional double negative, is what I'm trying to yeah. tell you. Uh, Raptors can't win at home. Anything there? Any no. any, any any big theories? <laughs> Anything there? Uh, I think no. Uh, no, they were close games. Like, I mean, I, I have a hard time really thinking too hard about uh, Sunday's game just because the third quarter was everything flipped. KD, uh, Harden also had a great game. They kind of just were like, all right, like let's just push this and. The Raptors had a terrible shooting night, like you said. They're not going to win games when they're shooting seven to thirty from three. Yeah, and I think um, like I know that sounds like you're simplifying. Well, it, but yeah, really. I think there are some notes, certainly from the Cleveland game on the half court offense down the stretch, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, and there are things we've seen all season long that when they've been forced into the half court, a they're slow. Uh, which is contributing mm-hmm. to them having the second slowest pace in the league. Which, is, but I do think having having Pascal back is gonna, well. It'll be interesting to see how that. Yeah, how that it helps. should be able. It should a. Ha, he is the best option in transition to have the mm-hmm. ball. I mean, uh, which is weird because like early in his career, <laughs> he was like the best option to finish in transition. But I think mm-hmm. the importance of getting him the ball in transition is a. It allows your best shooter, Fred Van Vliet, uh, to, like, go to the corner and get those looks in transition. And I just don't think, you know, OG Ananobi's certainly not there as a ball handler in transition. Uh, Scotty Barnes isn't there yet. I, I think he'll get there, but he's not there yet as a ball handler in transition. So I think, you know, Siakam in the middle of the floor with a kickout option to Fred or, or Trent mm-hmm. and with, like, you know, OG or Scotty running, like, sidecar with them uh, for like a alley-oop or a dump off like that's the best alignment of a potential uh raptors fast break now you can't always you can't like tra- turnovers happen where turnovers happen uh and you can't always make it so but i think like just having some possessions be like that mm-hmm. will help them run and run more effectively and also being less dependent on fred means they should be able to get into their half-court actions more quickly and not necessarily have to spend an extra two or three seconds every possession getting it to Fred. And that'll also just help Fred hopefully take off some of the load that he has been having to carry to start this season. Yeah, and that's both from a minutes and just like a offensive load perspective. Like, uh, uh, Not having to do everything. Yeah, and... 
not having to set. Let's remember, up. like he plays a pretty damn important role defensively. He's not coasting defensively, even even though he's like a bit more into the old Kyle Lowry role of like help off your guy and be a you know off ball genius. Like he still has a you know more often than not it has a pretty you know point of a a good point of attack player to to guard. It was a lot of Darius Garland on on Friday. Uh, who had a really nice second half in that game. Uh, but look, this isn't a surprise. The Raptors have, you know, their half-court offense always figured to be their, you know, weakest stage of the game from a pure talent perspective, and that was with Siakam. So as they work to get Pascal more involved, it's not a surprise that this is where they're lagging, right? No, not a surprise at all. Uh <laughs> Still, it's uh, it's painful yeah. to lead in a game for the entire game, minus the final 4.7, I think it was, 4.3, whatever yeah. it was, seconds. That's, that's and, and like, again, at. like, those two shots, the OG Ananobi, you know, baseline jumper, again, over Jared mm-hmm. Allen. Jared Allen is awesome, <laughs> by the way. Like, how, yeah. like he's <laughs> such a good Super rim good. protector and, like... So many guys like that are played off the court now, and mm-hmm. the way he isn't and is able to stick around, like, I'm not sure that long-term they're going to need both him and Mobley, but, like, you want both, like, like, certainly at this phase of Mobley's career, like, having that extra option uh, is good. Uh, and, yeah, Jared Allen, every time I see him play, he impresses me with what he does up, out there on the floor. Anyway, great contest there, and, like, the Scotty Barnes tip, like, it, it, you know, hung up there on the back of the rim for, a you know, a millisecond that felt longer. And it was... It, it would have been yeah, so awesome anyway, for that, yeah. too. And, you know, yeah. Ken Birch helped with a little two-handed shove to Evan Mobley's back to, to clear <laughs> Barnes for the tip <laughs> attempt. Um, and I do wonder, like, it was absolutely the right play to try and tip it because if he, if he had tried to, like, grab it, clock the clock would have... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm maybe giving him more like basketball IQ credit than is is warranted here for just tipping it. Anyway, it, the ball looked like it had some considerations of going in. Uh, it did not, which, you know, it took us back to the Tampa Raptors uh, a little bit. And let's hope uh, that's not a place we dwell uh, as, as we yeah, move forward. No, we're not going back. We're not doing that. So... I have declared it, and so it yeah. shall be. We're not... <laughs> uh, any, But before we get on to the week that shall be, uh, mm-hmm. Cleveland's fun, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're good. Like, they're a really tough team. I feel like that is the best, is the most surprising, the most pleasant part of the surprise that they have been. I really, wow, I'm doing the thing you're doing where I'm talking myself in a big circle. Um, yeah, they they were really, really, really fun. And I don't think, I didn't think, I thought they would be better this year, but I didn't, I didn't expect them to be as tough as yeah, they were. Yeah, I didn't think their defense would be able to be as good as it has been. Now, let me back this up with facts. Uh, it's 15th, so, uh, they're fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> Yeah, like they had a bunch of young talent and young players generally struggle on defense. Like that's the last thing to come along often. But it just 
looks like the connective tissue that Mobley brings his his whole skill set mm-hmm. and and Allen as a backline defender have really helped that team. And look, there are going to be some disappointed teams in the East this year. Um, Did you see the um, score uh, the Knicks the Knicks and Cavs last uh, night? I saw. I didn't see any highlights, but I saw Ricky, our, our old friend uh, Ricky Rubio. <laughs> what was his line? Put a put a smut. He had thirty seven, a career high. Yeah. Uh, is, I, I, but his uh, from his shooting was. Um, hold on. He I'm was eight for eight from so three at one point. I don't know if he, eight for know. nine. He finished eight for nine. Thirty seven points. Does that mean we got a Ricky like Rubio heat check, which seems very un Ricky Rubio like? <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Uh, you know what you didn't mention being on the on the Cavs and not because he played or anything, but I just thought you would mention it. You have a 50-50 chance of getting Kevin this right. Brandos? No, but that was who I Boss thought you would Davis. say. Ed Davis. Yeah. Um, Boss. yeah, didn't get to see either of my faves. It sort of sucked that Pangos didn't play. Um, I know. I mean, I... I know. I, on the broadcast, they kept flashing to his uh, parents who were sitting in the stands wearing their Cavs merch, which was really yeah. nice. You got it. Um, you got it. They have lots of good players, but... Uh, and, and we just mentioned how Ricky Rubio like won a game for them in New York. So like you can't hammer the decision. Yeah. That, you know, a guy who's taken such a long journey to the NBA, his first game in his hometown, you would have hoped there'd be a few minutes for him. But you, I, I you know, from a coach's perspective, you can't make that a, a guiding principle. Also, before we move on from the Cavs, uh, your your guy, Allen, had 18 points, 17 rebounds four assists and two steals i think i just stand any like semi-traditional center now uh who 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 figures out a way to remain relevant and good yeah it's it's you know we don't need to cry for the seven footers there will be jobs for the seven footers (laughs) like even as their roles are continue to diminish but like the guys who don't only keep a roster spot but can but can continue to thrive uh you Mm -hmm. love to see it also, Mobley was a plus twenty six. Yeah, he's good. Wow. Um, he's good. Maybe, maybe Kevin Durant will be talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he hasn't. Cool. Just, he just hasn't seen him yet. <laughs> uh, the, but on the Cleveland note, and and we got to wrap up soon. But there are going to be some disappointed teams in the East this year. Like everybody yeah. but Orlando and Detroit. And Orlando just who did they beat yesterday Sunday the, with uh, Cole Anthony? Uh, uh, yeah, Utah. they, they beat. The Cole Anthony yeah. walk-off interview was the thing of legend. Yeah, yeah, he's coming for Anthony Edwards. I forgot who tweeted that, but he's coming for Anthony Edwards, like, uh, best quote or, or like, most... I, I, I think he's taken uh, it yeah. already. I don't know if you saw the clip from last night, but even the way the um, broadcast, like, I guess they're used yeah. to it now. So they were, like, filming it like it was, like, one of those, like, boxing yeah. UFC, like, post-game yeah, like matchups. Like, they chaos. had the camera. Yeah, like the Friday Night Lights. They were zooming yeah, the in on Friday Night Lights tab <laughs> shaking around as, as he... <laughs> it was really amazing. I loved um, it. Uh, but, yeah, no, the East is uh, Yeah, like, good. You, you look at the really teams, good. you know, Charlotte has come down since a, uh, since a good start. They can't defend a lick. Clippers had a 22-0 run in the third. Our man, the, uh, the original man, uh, made his debut last <laughs> night, uh, Serge Ibaka, uh, for the Clippers. Uh, mm. I miss Serge. He's, uh, he's a nice fellow. Uh, but between Cleveland and Washington and... Uh, yeah, Miami, I mean, Miami but we thought they'd great. be good. Uh, yeah, my point but, is there aren't like, many teams yeah. that are like in an accepted rebuilding mode um, or, or like ramping up mode. And what's funny mm-hmm. is that the Raptors mm-hmm. sort of are. 
like like they they want to be competitive but like i i think if like they ended up they're ahead of yeah. schedule from what we but if they ended up thought, if they and I, I don't want to use the past tense like if they end up finishing 11th in the East this year or 12th in the East, but like Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi are both trending toward being like better versions of themselves, certainly than started the year, like, and, and Pascal and Fred find a way to fit in with that. Like, A, it's hard to imagine a team like that failing to make at least the play in game. But mm -hmm. B, if that somehow mm -hmm. happened, like I think most people would say, I don't know if they'd call it a success, but it'd be a reasonable outcome. And it'd be like, okay, yeah, like I feel pretty good about the direction of this team. It wouldn't be a failure, yeah. but I don't think that that's gonna, I just don't think, I just can't see this team not. Yes, uh, if all of that happens, it's just yeah. hard to imagine them winning 33 games or whatever, 36 games and, and missing the playoffs altogether. But it is interesting to look at the ease right now. And like, I think it's like Washington is fourth, Chicago. Yeah. I think it's like Washington, Chicago, Cleveland. Yeah, Knicks. it's all the, which is to say, like there are way fewer like, demis. Who's gonna there fall? Are, like, and like yeah. injuries will determine a lot of this. Uh, I think like they, they did for the Raptors last yeah. year. Uh, that's you know the in, the COVID run and, and the bout of bad luck to start the year with finishing games. That like that was their season. Mm -hmm. uh, but like you have mm -hmm. Indiana, which I think I still think Indiana's a super talented team that maybe just needs a shakeup. Um, but Atlanta's off to a bad start, four and six. But yeah. like, I think they might have like then the Celtics. You know, Celtics are off to a bad start. Or... Milwaukee's four and six. Like, and they've missed yeah. Middleton. But like, so uh, these things will even out. But uh, there are going to be some unhappy teams. Is all I'm saying. Speaking of which, you alluded to them. Boston Wednesday, no Jalen Brown. Philly Thursday. No Joel Embiid, possibly. He entered protocols uh, oh, yeah. on Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dwayne Casey Bowl on Saturday. We get another rookie uh, matchup, I hope. I don't think it's a back-to-back -back for Detroit, but I'm not positive. Uh, Detroit comes to town. And then the Raptors are off on a six-game swing that starts in Portland on Monday. We'll probably talk to you after that game. We'll get to see Norm. Uh, yeah, I will get to see Norm in person. Yeah, you'll um, get to see. You'll actually get to see. Yeah, maybe he'll give us a... Do you think he'll continue to, like, take pride in not giving good quotes and then talking about how he's not giving good quotes? Listen, I... <laughs> this is where we disagree, because I think Norm is a great quote. I'll, I'll so. tell you what. I miss... A, like, given, like, the number of young guys on the team this year who are, like, just figuring out who they are and what they want to say, and as a result are, like, naturally quiet so far, I miss Norm. Yeah. You miss Norm. I feel like Norm has always given me good quotes. And maybe it's just that we've talked about like topics that he like he's enjoyed, you know, like on features maybe you're and a stuff. better interviewer but than me too. That's not No, what but I, I let's let's I let's open that... up that possibility. <laughs> that's maybe not I need I to reconsider my just... whole life, Holly. All right, all right. We're not opening that in in minute fifty Ex of it's, the pod. It's the but... existential minute of the podcast. <laughs> What does it all mean? <laughs> I think that Norm has always been a really good quote and and really just a lovely um, guy to talk to in the locker room. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't, certainly don't. And I miss his run pregame. Oh, like I'm running through the tunnel. Seeing him sprint um, in the tunnel yeah. pregame, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'll be nice to see him uh, and in his second. Are you going on this trip yeah, or so no? I'll be on the first four games of that trip, which is why I said well, let's nice. we'll probably you'll see we'll him. probably talk after the Portland game. Um, so 
which is kind of weird for podcast schedule because generally it's like before a trip. So we won't have a proper preview of that trip, uh, but it will take them to Portland, Utah, Sacramento, and San Francisco to play the Warriors before a little break and finishing up. For a, for a finals preview. Yeah, before uh, Memphis and Indiana. You laugh. Uh, I mean, I laughed when it was actually a finals preview. So why would it, why wouldn't I laugh now? Um, yeah. So uh, we won't preview it that there, uh, the, the trip in full, but just to give you an idea of what the schedule is to come. Uh, the Road Warriors hitting the road. What are you looking for in the games to come, Holly? Uh, just looking to see how Pascal gets back into the into the rhythm of things. I'm curious to see what happens with the starting lineup, as we previously discussed. Hoping that uh, Kem, I know he was out because of knee swelling. I think they said a couple days. They hoped that then he would be back. So hopefully he will be good and ready to go in case they do want to put him in the starting lineup. But yeah, most excited just to see Pascal continue to develop his chemistry with this year's team uh i mean i think that's the biggest thing and within that how i i think i hate to harp on minutes but i think like (laughs) they have to find a way to lessen the load on fred van vliet like he's just for sure such he takes such a beating and he's 30 don't get me wrong Like, like it's not like he's alan iverson skin and bones out there and and Alan Iverson was tough as hell and played through all sorts of shit. So, uh, but that's but, a problem with Fred too. Is even if he did need a break or if the minutes were a lot, he would never say it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. So help him, help him, help. Yeah, himself. and a lot of <laughs> By, that is Pascal, uh, yeah. right? Like, uh, who mm-hmm. do you? Which member of the Raptors rotation do you think has the best uh, net rating right now? Oh my god. Uh, Gary Trent. No, Delano Ben. Uh, ah, I was hoping we'd find a way to. to I thought it was so cool that, that actually he, that the that act, the yeah, forty-five him a TTC happy birthday. bus. Yeah. It had a little happy birthday Delano graphic on the front of the TTC bus. Uh, I was gonna interrupt you earlier um, to say that, and then I was like, I've interrupted him like five times this show, as I tend to do when we're talking, which I apologize for. Um, yeah, it, but I'm glad you brought it up because that yeah, was awesome. Yeah, Tim, Kem, and Chris uh, Boucher, which makes sense oh. because no, yeah. it actually totally makes sense that it was Delano. I don't know why I didn't. Well, I didn't it's because he that, doesn't play that but... much. He averages 12 minutes a game. But every time he does, um, he provides a yeah. big boost. So yeah, that totally so makes sense. So start Delano. That's what I'm saying. Wait, you said Delano, Kem Birch, and Chris Boucher. Um, Kem and Chris. Well, it's the Chris is but surprising. The three of them. Have come on together often. That's why, like, yeah. what's driving it? We can differ. I would say, like, the most important factor there is probably Ken Burge's stability. Like, like, um, <laughs> but you know, because the three are play have played so many minutes together. Uh, I wrote about that mm-hmm. at the Athletic. I talked to all three of them individually on the last trip, which was uh, it's one of the perks of traveling this year. Is there's there are more opportunities to talk to the guys one on one. Uh, than at home for obvious availability reasons. Uh, but it was nice to check in with all of them and uh, listen to them say nice things about Delano and Ken Birch saying how it was wild that he hadn't heard of Delano, yeah. like the Canadian basketball circle. Uh, uh, that is the thing Yeah, like, wild, the Can- right? like you think Canada basketball, like, yes, we know all the stories about how it's grown and grown and grown, but you still think like 
NBAers would be aware of the next NBAers coming. And maybe it's mm-hmm. because Banton had such a, you know, he had the red shirt year and wasn't really on that path until he was, uh, that it happened so quickly that he didn't know him. It, it wasn't like a, you know, a Tyler Ennis situation where, uh, or Andrew Wiggins, like guys we've seen coming like from the second or third year, or even Jamal Murray, like coming from high school, we knew that they were going to be NBA prospects. Benton came onto the stage. But even late. the other, like think about the Canadians who have been drafted. So many that we have known of who have been drafted have not made this much of an impact in their in their rookie season. Like it's it's crazy what he's been able yeah. to do as a forty. Yeah, when player. I wrote that story, there were only two second rounders who were playing more, who had played more total minutes. That's what I him. asked last. Uh, I don't know where. We, yeah, week. I don't yeah. know where it stands now. Uh, one is I can't even remember his name. Robinson Earl on Oklahoma City, uh, and you don't have. Uh, and then. Sh- Chicago? Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I can't remember. I feel like the other important thing when we're talking about Delano is just that in addition to bringing energy and like, you know, he's good. Like he has a really good sense for the game. Like he's just a really smart um, player on the fly. Like, yeah, he's good. That is that is our Delano Banton. Analysis, and that I think is as good a place as any to wrap up on. Uh, we will see you probably record this Tuesday, next Tuesday, as I mentioned. So after the Portland game, uh, unless something wacky happens between now and then, uh, Holly, enjoy the reappearance of Norm Powell on your TV. Yay! Uh, Maybe I'll go to the Nike store when when I'm there. I don't know. Amy Otterbert said she was looking forward to going to the Nike store in Portland. Um, oh, that's I, fun. I don't know if I'm going to... Like, really? Do I need more sneakers? Probably not. I feel like... I feel like it's probably a net negative for you to make the plans to go out, to go there. To yeah, like, I think I just, something. like, assuming it's, like, a nice walkable day and, like, you can't bank on that in the pacific northwest but i'd rather just like oh even when it rains it's lovely to walk yeah yeah yeah. your uh your brief uh partial residence uh love yeah so do i it's uh i think i had it as my number one city road city uh last time i ranked them moving up above new orleans uh wow i am uh, shocked just because new orleans media meal is so bad and they're fan and like it's not a good crowd like i think new orleans would be ahead of portland otherwise uh but those i love that the media meal factors that um prominently it doesn't but it's like a top like it it matters it's a a factor (laughs) see to me like the game the game night meal is like such an afterthought like give me a piece of cardboard pizza and we're good like i don't that that does never well, thought in my mind. What well, I'm maybe thinking. road trip to Little Caesars uh, Arena in Detroit, uh, and we can change your <laughs> mind. Holly, we're going way too long. Uh, as always, it was nice to chat with you, and thanks for joining. Yeah, same. Same. Uh, Raptors fans, enjoy the week. See ya. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.